Welcome to Money Talk with Tiff, a podcast where we discuss everything money from tips and tricks to current events. Follow me on my journey to become debt-free and meet other cool people along the way. I am your host, Tiffany Grant. Now let's talk money. We are Podcasters United to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black lives matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voice, and we will use our voices to speak against anti-Blackness and police brutality. And we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. With that being said, this special episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast was recorded live on Facebook, so please disregard any rough edits or rough cuts. Enjoy. All right, so I think we're live now. Let's see. Okay. All right, so... Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today. So this is another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. I am doing something I've never done before, but I felt like this would be a wonderful opportunity (laughs) to make this happen. I have Eugenie George on the line, and I've had her on my podcast before. Back in episode 11, we talked about ancestral trauma and how it affects your money. So not just Black people, but all people of color. So she actually wrote a book about it, and um, the book is called Our Money Stories, A No BS Guide to Financial Wellness. And like I said, she dives deep into ancestral trauma and how all of that plays a role in your money. So when I decided that I was going to make this episode about the Black dollar and, you know, you Ujima and Ujama and where we go from here with all the unrest and things like that, I was like, I have to have Eugene on because she is the expert. <laughs> so thank you so much, Eugene, for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So Eugene, last time we talked, we were live at FinCon, which <laughs> is a whole nother story in itself right now, because some things have come out about that. Long story short, I will no longer be attending, even though I enjoyed it. And I met some very good people such as yourself there. Um, but we're not going to harbor on that, you know, too long. In your book, you talk about ancestral trauma and how that affects your money and not just black people, but all people of color. And so in your, just a brief overview of what ancestral trauma means and what your research has found. Uh, Yeah, so basically it means that the problems or the, the things that you're stressed about now may be because of your family's history. As in a nutshell, that's kind of what it is. I, I found this out by listening to a podcast um, written by um, being on being with Krista Trippett. And I listened to this researcher and she talked about how uh, they were doing research on Holocaust survivors. And they wanted to see if the PTSD from the Holocaust survivors have been passed down to generations. Well, it got like, lots of reviews on it, literally everything, um, American Scientific, like NPR, you name it. And they the, ended up debunking, a woman of color actually ended up debunking the, uh, the research and basically said, it's not a big enough sample size. Um, there's also a lot of talk around epigenetics, which means like you can change your genes and like, you know, all that stuff. So it kind of got thrown out, but that idea stuck with me and it kind of led me to this journey of me understanding my family's trauma. And then, uh, then I interviewed 40 women and I kind of asked them, well, why don't you tell me about your money story? And basically what I did from that was take 
the what are like the laws in place that has to do with the the dollar how is that affecting our long-term results? Before we hopped off um, or got kicked off, we were talking about um, ancestral trauma. Miss Eugenie George, which is here with me, she wrote a book called Our Many Stories, A No BS Guide to Financial Wellness, which talks about not only um, African-Americans and black people, it talks about other people of color and minorities as well. and. What she was just saying is ancestral trauma is what has gone on in the past, like with your ancestors and things like that, can spill into today. And she was talking about the research that she had come across that talked about that. And that's how she got the inspiration for her book. Did I recap it all? (laughs) You did. Pretty well. Yeah. So we were talking about the black text and that's where we left off. So I was like, I'm glad it kind of cut off there. I mean, I'm not glad, but at least it was like after a point was made. And so we can right right back up. (laughs) So um, I wanted to mention because I went to like an uh, inclusion diversity thing in Winston-Salem and we watched a short film called Segregated by Design. And it talks about the uh, black tax and uh, the color of money and the color of law and how all of that plays um, a part and how we are marginalized to this day. So um, what are your thoughts on that? That's the whole lot. I mean, that's basically eight books, but I think in a nutshell, uh, the black tax means basically, depending on who you are, you're going to be um, discriminated against wherever you go. And that goes in, plays out in health. It plays out in um, talking to people, just basic interactions. It plays out in microaggressions. Um, and it has a long-term effect between money and also your mental health. If you don't feel comfortable with yourself and if you don't feel comfortable with even learning about money, you're already disbarred. So that's basically what the black tax is about. Um, My purpose and all the research that I did was kind of find out, okay, where were these taxes and like, where did they happen? And so I tracked and traced back from, after slavery and basically i looked at latinx native american um asian american and african-american stories and i looked at all of the research in there and said like okay what are all these laws that are actually barring folks from achieving wealth or achieving anything and then then i started interviewing women of color and said well why don't you tell me about your money stories and it kind of played really well into like what's going on right now and then also what's happening uh, in our current situation so we can use our location wherever we live and actually find out the history of the black tax so or of i mean even if you're asian american there's a lot of um, really interesting laws that have been put in place and a lot of us don't really know um, how it's affecting our money absolutely and anytime i think about this topic and talk about this topic i think back to when i was in my mba program we had to take leadership and part of that we had to look at implicit biases and we also looked at a map of our city, right? And with that map, you can see a clear line, clear, clear as day of where African-American populations are and white populations are. And it just goes back to the laws that were put in place way before we were alive, way before just going way back really not even way back. Let me let me pause right there. It is not even that long ago, honestly. Mm-hmm. But um, the laws that were put in place at that time where it segregated the city. And so that keeps perpetuating to this day. And so, you know, one side of town may be named the black side, you know what I mean? Um, right. Or that's not the good side of town. And so it just goes back to the, you know, the 60s, the the 50s, and then going all the way back to like the 1800s, you know, there was a land seizure act in 1865. And what that did was it took 
the property from the black people and made it so that the white people bought it. And so it's like, and in my experience, that's where the wealth is, right? So when you own property, you own land, that's where the wealth is. I've worked with clients where, um, when I used to work at the firm and they were making million dollar deals, just selling property that was passed on from generation to generation. So it's important to note that this is not new. Um, this is not, you know, uh, this is not something that is new or just happened or it's a systematic or systemic, um, marginalization of people. And so I wanted people to just make sure they understand that because like you said, awareness is where it starts. So when you were doing your research and interviewing these other people of color, you were like, ah, ah, and then you started connecting the dots. And so that's what I wanted to do this podcast about is just awareness of different things, awareness that there are laws and there are taxes and there are things that do purposely marginalize. So um, with all that being said, so I don't want to spend too much time on how we got here. I want to spend more time on solutions, right? Mm -hmm. So part of what I wanted to talk about was, um, and if anybody is not familiar with Kwanzaa, um, it is a celebration. Um, I believe it started in the 60s or 70s. I may be incorrect. Yeah, but... um, you, at um, CSU Long Beach. So the, the professor from Long Beach, he created this holiday called Kwanzaa. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. Well, let's pause right there because it's amazing how one person's idea can spread like wildfire. And now even to this day, people are still celebrating it. So mm -hmm. some of the, there are seven principles in Kwanzaa. Um, the ones that I wanted to talk about today are, we'll start with Ujima. And so Ujima means collective work and responsibility. And that's something that we're seeing right now as we speak um, with all the protests and everything going on, people are collectively working together. And it's important that we do that in order to um, make a change. <laughs> <laughs> make a change. I know you said you're going out to protest today. Um, and I've seen a lot of talk about, you know, protesting doesn't make a change. Like, what is the point? Things like that. Um, but with the protest, you have to have action, right? Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> what are your thoughts around that? <laughs> um, here's the thing with the with protesting and different things like that we we this is our first time that we're going to do that um because there is ujima is all about um collective work and understanding that but we've done a lot of mental work i'm just saying that me and my family prior to even doing that so even if if you're not ready to go out there um, you don't have to. That's a completely normal thing. What I've been focusing on the past week is one, just checking in with a lot of folks that are holding space for people. So it might, it may be um, black folks, it may be um, women of color, it may just be someone that I know that's kind of, they're the the glue to like their friend group. Um, and so just checking in on them, seeing how they're doing. I have a lot of friends that live in um, Minneapolis. I have some friends that live everywhere. So it's really important to, to check in on where everyone is and how they're feeling. Um, that's like the aspect of community and connection. The second thing is there's a lot of trauma that we all have to go through. This is like really uncomfortable for a lot of people. I'm like sometimes just sitting back and watching people just clap back or, you know, do call out culture. And a lot of times right now we really need to call in and see where we are with uh, our own mental health. Because the thing that's happening with a lot of folks, particularly like listening to white folks talk about this, they've never heard. They never knew that this stuff happened. It's like we, a lot of folks have, have had this conversation over and over again. Like, you know, if you walk, make sure you're walking super fast. Don't, you know, don't talk to certain people, yada, yada, yada. But some people have never had that conversation. And that, 
that is a lot for them to even see something like that happen, right? And now communities, communities of color are now speaking out and everyone is pouring out their trauma, right? So I think the most important thing is with, with this piece is kind of see where you are at with your childhood trauma. So there's a great um, group, the CDC and Kaiser did research on um, adverse childhood experiences. And so what that means is they can figure out your your long-term health effects based off of finding out what happened during your childhood. Start with that. Like literally, I don't care what color you are, start with that. Because if you're, if you go, oh my gosh, I'm having all these issues, you're going to be more compassionate for folks. You're going to be empathetic to folks. It's, you're going to be uh, more aware of what's going on. And so I think that's actually something that's really important to really kind of start with you first. Um, there's a really great book called Peace in Every Step. And um, it's by Titset Mihai. And basically he talks about how you have to do a lot of inner work first before you can just always go out. Of course, go out and protest, um, but also recognize that we are wounded folks and we are now just coming to awareness of it. And our families, some of our families have no clue. I just asked my, my mom and she was like, this happened to you? I'm like, yeah, all this stuff happened, you know? And, and so people don't want to talk about their trauma, but that's the thing that's affecting the world right now. Absolutely. And see, that's one thing I was, I was halfway joking, but halfway serious when I posted this on Facebook, but I was like, I would like to look at this as the great awakening. So when this mm -hmm. goes back in history, like I want it to be called the great awakening because yeah. it's like people, not just people of color, but even white people, they are now starting to see what is really going on. And it's crazy because, you know, some people were saying, well, you know, you don't live in Minnesota. Why does it matter to you? Or you don't know George Floyd personally. Why does it matter to you? And the thing is, this is this happens worldwide, worldwide, mm -hmm. um, even here in my city. I've had instances and I know people that have had instances with the local police and mm -hmm. with racism in the courtrooms and things like that. Um, so it's not exempt. Like what, what we need to do is to call people in, like you said, call in the allies, call in the people that are for us and have them help us make this change. Because the thing is we can't, be divided anymore. We can't because that's how evil wins. <laughs> they divide and conquer. So we need to come together. And that brings me to another um, Kwanzaa principle and that's Ujama. So Ujama is cooperative economics. So <laughs> that, my friends, is how I feel we should move forward from here on out. And that's why I named this episode The Black Dollar, mm -hmm. because we need to come together financially and financially make a space to where racism doesn't win. And so what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well. Um, okay, so right now, some of y'all don't know this, but right now, the wealth industry and the personal finance industry is getting heated. Like I am sitting back and watching these conversations play out. And it's because a lot of folks don't understand the racial oppression that's happened within the past, you know, 200 300 years and so you're having people that you're having a lot of like people of color that are speaking up on their experiences that they've had working in finance that they've had working in um, spaces that have to do with um, financial institutions um, and now you're having folks that have never talked about race ever and have always lived in a bubble not know what the heck is going on but if we look at history it, it kind of lets us know why there there are some taxes or why people have been barred so i'm going to break down four 
really common stereotypes and, and talk about how it affects the money. So if we look at Latinx native culture, it's kind of, I'm putting those two together because I was just corrected that I should um, really think about that because Latinx is a lot of different cultures. So I'm trying to be really cognizant of that. So if you look at um, Latinx culture, there's a lot of different things that play a role into your, the, your dollar. One of the things that play into your role with your dollar is if immigration. So for the past hundred years, years, there's been some weird law that has been passed or some policies that have been passed that basically just rounds up a bunch of folks that identify as Latinx and brings them to a country. And some of them have been born in this country. Some of them have never lived in that country and they just round people up. And they've been doing this since successfully since 1940. So if you look at that right now, if you look at Latinx women, their um, their equal payday is in November, which means out of all the women of color, theirs is last. So if your dollar, if your dollar, you're getting paid 53 cents every dollar that a white male makes, that is going to affect your money. The same thing goes back to um, African-Americans. I mean, we could talk about a lot of uh topics and, and a lot of policies. But to me, the thing that I always talk about is um, Black Wall Street, because that's kind of the thing that everyone's talking about. It just, if you're, you've watched The Watchmen, they, they talk about that history. But basically, in, um, in the early 1930s, 40s, there was a Black community that had, was thriving, was doing really well. And a bunch of folks came in and basically trashed and tore down uh, that entire city within two days. And the news was calling it a riot, a race riot. Um, and it was all based off of facts that were not true. So things like that, we're kind of seeing that be played in the same realm where someone like George Floyd, who had a counterfeit $20 bill, is now being, is now literally allegedly having a $20 bill is, is being how he was handled. So you can literally tr trace it back. So if we look at, um, if we look at Asian American cultures, it, particularly with laws in place um, for in the early 1900s, Asian Americans weren't even allowed to come here anymore. Like they were here in the eight, late 1800s and then they just were barred from it. And then if you actually look at where Asian Americans are right now with their wealth, because a lot of people love to say, a lot of minority, they're doing really well. Like they're crushing it with their money. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, those are actually folks from people coming into the United States. So that has a really different way of you viewing the gap, um, the, the wealth gap. The other thing with that in particular, if you are um, Asian American is most folks weren't even allowed to, have citizenship until 1960 when the civil rights act passed and in 1940 so that means that's a lot of older folks that are alive right now they're and they do not they're living off of medicare and medicaid so when you're saying like this girl's making this much money you don't know how much her dollar's going you don't know how much she might be holding money for the whole entire family so be really careful um, and then lastly, Native American culture, I mean, that is at a whole, the, the practices of redlining, I will say that that has to do with how we navigate the space of Native American land. So we will, I'm saying we as America, not myself personally, because I'm not a part of that, but I'm saying like America has strategically removed folks that are from their land and then will have barricades around the land. And when there's oil or something that pops up, that's a natural resource that gets moved. And then once that gets moved, then all of a sudden, like those folks that could have gotten money, they don't get it. 
So I think a lot of folks need to really recognize where they live, the communities that they serve, what is the history around their community and how it affects their entire dollar. Living in Philadelphia, I grew up in California. I live in a city where 45% of that uh, the population is black, but 70% of the COVID deaths have been black folks. Poverty is at an all-time high here. Um, and it took me a while to actually read about my the city that I live in and learn all about the history and particularly learn about how Black America in Philadelphia, they were actively trying to have banks, have communities, have neighborhoods. And even just 30 years ago, they bombed a portion of the city and that, city, that area was predominantly Black. Now it's 30 years ago. We're, I'm 33. So you really have to just kind of take it slowly and think about um, where you are with your neighborhood, where we are with our community, and then where we are with our culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for breaking that all down. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I didn't know a lot of that. Um, And one thing I will put out there to the audience is one movie, I guess it's considered a movie, maybe a short film that I watched was Netflix explained the racial wealth gap. Mm-hmm. And when I say that shed light on so many different things, I was sitting there like, ah, ooh. <laughs> like, you <Right>? know? <laughs> yeah. Um, because it, it it's <laughs> And, and like Eugene was saying, it doesn't just affect Black people. It affects all people of color. Um, you know, we have all been... I hate to keep using the word marginalized because I don't really like that term, but I don't know how else to describe it. But we have all been um, disproportionately affected um, (laughs) with a lot of different things. And just like I posted this morning about uh, Bank of America giving what a billion dollars to the cause or whatever. I'm like, they're just giving us some of our money back <laughs> because yeah. when you look at bank fees and things like that, um, it disproportionately affects people of color. And so I'm like, yeah, it's a good gesture. I appreciate it. Thank you. But also it's like, this is just some of the money that is owed back to us. So Yeah, it, it's really tricky. And I would advise folks that are are thinking about well, what should I read? Which, where should I go? Um, if you are white, you should read White Fragility because it has a lot to do with um, how you navigate the world and how other folks don't see the same way uh, as you do. Um, and then in terms of cultures, I mean, I would say The Color of Wealth is the best book that you can read because it breaks down all the cultures and it says this is what happens here's here's how it happens um and so yeah i think that's really important okay and since we're throwing out books um (laughs) for education um also the color of law um that Mm -hmm. goes into you know what laws were passed and things like that and then the color of money which Mm -hmm. of course i love talking about money that's why we're here but um that goes into how it affects um finances and so i so speaking of the financial industry in an uproar right now (laughs) um and we're watching it all unfold but you know, I've heard stories of where people worked in banking settings, you know, other people of color, and they shared with me that, you know, when they look at loan applications, they try to peg whether you're black or white, depending on what you're applying for. And, um, you know, to me, I'm like, wow, like, that's really what goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, he was telling me that his coworkers were laughing and joking and making bets on, you know, whether this person was black or white and just thinking that that's okay. And I say that to say, we need people to start calling out these practices. Um, We need people to shed light on these people and these practices. So that way it stops. Um, You know, I've been posting a lot lately. And one of the things that I've been posting is silence equals acceptance. So if you're silent about an issue that comes to you, um, you know, somebody acting inappropriate and you're silent about it, that tells them that you accept their behavior. And so that's how things keep perpetuating. And so 
going back to Ujima and Ujama, you know, we have to work together and Umoja, which is unity, we have to work together to make these changes. And so, um, you know, a lot of people have been talking about holding back our dollars, um, you know, and making sure that it only circulates with um, people of color or and or allies. Um, and I fully support that idea. Um, I think we need to start not supporting places that do not support us. And so, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I concur. I think, um, I, I mean, would you like for me to tell my personal experience of being sure. in the financial? Because you, oh, we're friends. So it's not like, um, and we, we text all the time. So it's a little bit different. I mean, we have a different report, but like Tiffany and I have been in the grind. Um, basically, we've been talking for the past year about navigating, going into financial planning and whatnot, taking classes, doing taking classes. So we both, we both have done, finished our MBA within the same time frame. Uh, we both tried to finish our CFP work and didn't finish it, which is a whole nother, I don't want to talk about that. Um, and so we're, we do have experiences on that. Um, the hardest thing about navigating um, fi the financial industry is really being sure of yourself. That's the hardest thing. Because when I first got my like first job in um, finances, I changed my hair. So I straightened my hair, which I, you know, you do every once in a while, but I straightened my hair for my picture. I used my middle name. This is two, 2018, y'all. I use my middle name. And um, a lot of folks, I've got, I got in trouble a lot because I spoke up for certain things. Um, I feel like now I've done a lot of work, even with like writing the book. But I'm one person who already did social justice work. Like I did TFA. I went to UC Berkeley. So I had the wherewithal to be like, this is just a phase. This is just a that, you know, I've had accountant, my accounting teacher tell me in front of the class that I don't know anything in front of everybody and apologize to me behind closed doors. So what I'm saying is like, everybody is going through that. Um, and, and that, I mean, it clearly deals with resilience and strength and different things like that. But there, we have a long way to go. We really do. Um, and when it comes to trying to help folks understand um, communities of color and then understand Ujima or um are we talking about Umoja? I'm I've I'm used to saying all, all the them, things, right? All the kinds of things. Um, when you talk about all of that, I think it's really important to see where even the person of color that's trying to enter in it, how they're being barred from the different things, how they're being blocked from it. I am one person that's trying to eliminate my we call it, what do we call it generational wealth that's what mm. or generational curse that's what all the black people say be like I'm gonna rebuke I'm gonna rebuke this <laughs> generational curse or whatever so like I'm, you know what I'm talking about when people like my family binds they bind uh, generate bind they curse it okay so I'm the one that's like basically the person that deals with money and I have nine great aunts. I have 50 cousins. One person doing the work for everybody. That's a lot of stuff. So I really try to like make sure that I'm doing like yoga and I'm doing the like women of color meditations and different things like that because there's so much, there's like a layer it's you, but you don't recognize how you're affected. And so that's why I wrote the book too, because I wanted to make sure that I had other people's stories and I didn't want it to be like trauma porn, but you can't help it. Cause it's kind of like, people just told me a bunch of stuff. So I had to just write what they said. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty tricky. Yeah. And 
he says so much right there. I'm like, which which point do I want to jump in at? Uh, <laughs> I know. You, anytime stuff like that would happen, especially like in finance, I would be like, okay, we got to start over. Okay, we got to start over. Like, I've been fired because I said this is white. I was like, I don't reference, I don't like this like white. And you and I, you and I talked about this, but I was like, this doesn't, this is too white. <laughs> and I've gotten fired. <laughs> But the same day I got hired. So it's like, you, you know, you have, it's like people have to be really careful about it. But it's like, at this point, I have, I feel like I have 136 citations. I can back up what I'm saying. I got it. <laughs> right. And so, so I guess I'll jump in like with my experience working in the industry. So first and foremost, um, <laughs> when you say that you work in finance, people automatically assume that you sell insurance or mm-hmm. um, you do taxes because that's the majority of what, you know, people of color do. And so when we say that we do something different, it's like, what? You do what? <laughs> and it's hard to get into those doors because as we both know, um, the financial industry is majority old white male right and we don't fit in any of those categories so (laughs) it's very hard to and and the thing about it is and what i've learned is that you have to be overly qualified so like for instance how me and you we both have mbas right um when i was working at a firm the only other person that had an mba was the owner Everybody else was just, you know, just had bachelor's degrees and they were fine. But it takes extra for us to even get our foots into the, our feet, ooh, foots, get our feet into the door <laughs> um, and, and make that happen. Now, I went about it a different way because I'm very, you know how you said you straighten your hair and things like that. These locks aren't going anywhere. I don't right. care who you are, what you think. Um, you know, if you, my philosophy is, and even when I was in HR, if you have a problem with my hair, then that's not a place that I want to work anyway. Um, because if you value my hair over my knowledge, over what I bring to the table, then I don't want to work for you. What, what do I need to work for you for? (laughs) Um, so, you know, when I was working, you know, in the firms and things like that, you know, I had my locks, I had my, um, onks, I had my unapologetically black earrings. I had my African attire. I didn't care because at the end of the day, I'm comfortable that I know my stuff. And so if you decide that I'm too black for you, then why are we even here? (laughs) Yeah. Why are we even here? So luckily the firm that I did work at, they were very, you know, accepting um, of me, which is crazy to say, but you know, that's just the reality of the situation. Now, I will say, and this is with any job, really, not even just the corporate world, but this goes all the way to um, if you're in trades and things like that, people will have microaggressions, right? Um, And so, you know, sometimes it comes in in the form of, and we're kind of getting off track, but I got to let this out. Sometimes it's in the form of, oh, how did you do that to your hair? Oh, oh let me see. Oh, like <laughs> I'm not a petting zoo, you know. Um, you know. Well, I- there's also YouTube videos. Like when people say stuff like that, if you're like, I'm curious, go look it up. I don't have time. <laughs> They've got movies. They have documentaries about good hair and how people view it. And you're like, what? So it's like, just Google it. <laughs> Right. Um, I'll never forget one time I came in with my locks done a different way. So I had them in links. And so they were short, maybe like that short. And they were like, oh my gosh, did you cut your hair? Oh, I wish I could do my hair like that. Oh my gosh, your hair is so uh, versatile and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. Like, I feel like we all have well, you and I and a bunch of other people, we have like black CFP rants. We have like a black, um, we have like, we're going to pass this CFP group. And so I think when we're talking, so circle back 
to Kwanzaa and Ujima and collaborative and restorative practice. Um, I think it's really important for you to find the tribe that you want to work with when it comes to dealing with your money. Um, I wrote in the book kind of my money story journey. And my biggest thing was I have to have folks that look like me that talk about this uh, and help me navigate it. But if I am working with someone who's white, they have to know the word allyship. If they don't know, that's like the simplest thing. So if they understand that word, then I will work with them. If they don't, then that means I have to do extra work in addition to understanding my family's trauma, my family's uh, information, carrying stuff for other women of color too. That's too much work for me. I'm losing money. And then we're going back to the back black tax. Lots of folks are asking for resources to folks of color, marginalized groups, black folks. And it's like, look it up yourself because it's a tax. I took my time. I took 25 minutes out of my day to find resources for you. I need, I need you to do a little bit more work. Unless, like, I just had a great conversation with two groups of girls who have, like, three million, so, like, downloads for their podcast. I reached out to them and I said, you you guys need to talk about this because people are going to listen to you because you're white. You need to talk about it and you need to tell people, like, how you go through the problem. I will give you these resources. That black text, that's going to work in my, my flavor and my blessing. I'm not, I'm not dumb. So I also know that like that is something that folks really need to be cognizant of. Um, everyone's like, I'm curious, I'm curious, I'm curious. You need to type in what is a white person's guide to understand. You need to Google it. We have, there's no more excuses. Um, and I think the last thing, because I feel like we're about to wrap up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't have to. <laughs> I mean, the last thing is when it comes to 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 um with with uh, race, wealth, the black dollar, black women, black men really need to take time to heal and really need to take time to reflect on a lot of stuff. And I think what's happening, and you might you can tell me this or not i'm literally right now retracing um all the trauma that's happened to me in my life based off of all of these deaths that happen because in my mind i'm thinking well i don't i don't know how much time i have to live it's a very scary thing to think that right even to to have to to be in the position where you're, you're thinking like how long will I live? Will I get hypertension? Because right now I have hemorrhoids. I've never got hemorrhoids my entire life. I've always been like super healthy and I have hemorrhoids. I'm like, this is crazy. So I think right now you really need to take time and try to learn how to heal. Um, take Get a journal. Like the simplest step is get a journal and write out how you're feeling write out all the scenarios that's happened. Um, if you have a platform, talk about those things. Um, you have to get all of that out because at this point, if we're trying to change and we're trying to move into a new millennial, we need to shout a lot of stuff before we can do any of the, the, some of the work. Right. And I completely, I completely agree. And so that's why we're here because I'm like, I have a platform. I need to use my platform to talk about these issues because it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, all day Sunday, I slept because I was just mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. <laughs> I was sorry. Exhausted. You're fine. You're fine. But I was exhausted. You can get a snack. <laughs> I, trust me. I, I locked myself in a closet for this because I, know I noticed that. I was like, what? I know my kids. I locked my office door and then I locked the closet door just in case they decide to pick that lock. But I'm sorry. <laughs> you were saying something very profound. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I was just saying, you know, it's a lot. What's going on right now is a lot. It's been a lot for years and years and years. And people are finally getting 
tired of it. People are finding finally um, acknowledging it and being more aware of what's going on. And I count that as a win in of itself. Um, but also, like you were saying, protect your peace, protect your mental health, protect your well-being, because um, like Saturday, uh, Sunday, so after I protested on Saturday, I just slept. I just had to. It was just a lot. It was a lot to process. It was just a lot going on. Every time you get on social media, you know, you see stuff and, you know, it just starts the the cycle all over again. So like you were saying, you just have to protect your space. And so I've been posting a lot on social media, but I've also been taking social media breaks throughout the day because when I feel myself starting to get wound up, <laughs> I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to just back away and come back fresh in a little bit. Um, because what I don't want to happen is we channel this into um, anger and then we end up not getting anything done. And that's what's been happening, especially in my case. Um, so I'm like, okay, Tiffany, you have the information, you have processed the information, you have shared the information, you have put the information out there. Now, what are you gonna do? Now what? <laughs> because you can yeah. share and you can tell and you can do but so much for so long to where it needs some action behind it as well. And so that's why I was like, you know what? This episode of Money Talk with Tips is going to be dedicated to the Black dollar and to what we can do, you know, looking at the Kwanzaa principles, Ujima, Ujama, Umoja, how we can bring those to the current. It doesn't just have to be a once a year thing, <laughs> you know, it can be all throughout the year. And what I see happening now with the unity going on, with the collective work and responsibility, with the cooperative economics, like I've seen so many people posting about black owned businesses or minority owned businesses or, um, you know, things of that nature. To me, I'm excited. I'm excited because <laughs> this is the wave I have been on for so long. And I'm just glad that more people are joining the wave. Now, I don't want this to just be a wave where it's like, oh, you know, we did it for the culture and now it's over. We can go back to our normal lives. No, this needs to be something that is ongoing. Um, like I said, I wholeheartedly believe that we should withhold our dollars from the people that don't support us or are perpetuating the hate and perpetuating racism um, because it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. Um, at the end of the day, even the people that um, are racist, right? At the end of the day, when that racism is shown, somebody's getting hurt. Yes, hurt people hurt people. Exactly. Hurt yeah. people hurt people. That. dropping bombs today it's so funny because when you're when you're like at home and you're just like you know reading and doing all the work and, and you're like okay what do i need to tell how, how you know i think what a beautiful time it is because it's we're in a really difficult time but it's beautiful because it's like feels like all the work that i've been doing is like finally giving birth so now that everybody's like panicking freaking out like what's going on you're like uh nope i we were it's like you're ready for it because you're you're waiting for something like this to happen you don't want to say that but you're waiting for something um where folks are kind of shaken a bit to to talk about this i literally today's talked about um how when I lived in the uh, DR, like all the racial trauma that I experienced being there and like looking like the population and not being uh, a, really the population, being American in that space. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I should be talking about all of this stuff. I Everybody should be talking about this stuff. And I think particularly black folks don't have the opportunity to do so because we're always trying to keep up with everyone. like. The Joneses, the Kardashians, the Carters. There's a lot of folks that we're all trying to like emulate. And it's time for us to kind of like 
bring back and check in with ourselves first before we can do anything else. This is so true. This is so true. So, <laughs> and mic drop. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so, Eugene, where can people find you? Um, I know you've gone over this spiel back in episode 11, but for our new listeners and people here on Facebook Live, where can they find you? Um, I mean, if you're on Facebook, you just find my website or just click on my, my thing or whatever. And if you want to add me, I don't really have that many folks. I just don't. There's just a lot of people that kind of come at you. But I'm very active on Twitter. Very, very active. Um, so if you want to find me there, um, I'm there. And I do I do a lot more talks. I'm also, you know, now that there's a book launch, I mean, you can find the book um, at eugeneageorge.com. Um, you can get the first chapter. And that's already out and ready. And then uh, June... 14th is when the book will be in print so it'll be um on demand and it'll be on amazon and then all the other um platforms but i i don't know but i think the biggest thing for me is like and i want to let other people know about this like black tax and whatnot um when I came up with this idea, people thought it was absolutely crazy. And a lot of folks were like, I don't know if you could actually get a book deal. I don't know. So I basically went the self-publishing route, which meant I ended up losing a lot of money um, doing so. I know that right now it's gonna it's gonna play out in a very different way with what's happening. But um, I think that's really important. Use the resources that you have because I've it took me two years and two thousand dollars to get this book up and running. And I still owe people money. I still have student loans. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just trying to like let people know that I'm like a real person because I know you sell the books, but it's you know. Um, so yeah, just know that the book is about telling people's stories and that's what really matters. And then hopefully if y'all know the agent, please let me know. <laughs> and I'm going to plug right there. <laughs> but, but you know what, you know what, that's another thing I tell people, you don't know unless you ask, you don't know unless you put it out there into the universe because you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's right. an agent could be watching right now. And they're like, oh, she knows her stuff. Let me get up, Eugene. Uh, you don't know. I know it sounds far-fetched and it sounds funny, but you really don't know. And yeah. so um, I commend you. Thank you so much for doing the work. Um, you know, we always talk about this stuff, but to put it out here and thank you for coming on with me and my shenanigans um, because literally people I was like, Eugene, you want to hop on an episode with me? Plot twist, it needs to be recorded today. Plot twist, let's do it live. <laughs> yeah. She was just down for the cause. So I appreciate you. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people got a lot of good information from this. And I will drop in the comments um, and also in the show notes links to all of these films and books and everything that we mentioned because it's good information and it's stuff that you need to self-educate on. So thank you so much and I hope you all have a wonderful day. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to moneytalkwithtea.com. And while you're there, why not sign up for our newsletter so you'll never miss an episode. Talk to you soon.